the left has already started eating its own. And uh, Biden is one of the victims here, and he isn't even president yet. We're heading in the right direction, but the death penalty still won't work in the United States. And historic? Really? This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Okay, there's a lot to talk about. Um, first off, let's talk about what's really going to have a real problem for the Biden administration if they actually end up being the Biden administration. According to Daily Wire, Dr. Melina Abdullah, lead organizer of BLM's Los Angeles chapter, said, and by the way, I'm not quoting any of this. This is something that uh, I made up here, but I did get the story from Daily Wire, which you should subscribe to and actually pay a couple bucks a month to hear or and read some of the things they have. Joe Biden, quote, capitalized on efforts to defund the police and then tried to condemn the words at the same time. We want to be very clear that as we happily usher out the Trump regime, we will not accept liberal white supremacy in the White House in the form of Joe Biden. It doesn't matter to me that Kamala Harris is your vice president if you're using her black woman body to usher in oppressive systems and oppressive people like Eric Garcetti. I've Okay, continuing, we know that we had to protest Donald Trump and we had to get Donald Trump out. We have to protest blatant white supremacy, but we have to remember that there's a lot of white liberal supremacists. Here is where Joe Biden is going to have a lot of problems in the future. His leftist base is going to go after him if he does not do exactly what they want him to do. No matter what he does, he hired Kamala Harris, who, by the way, is... Biden is not the oppressive person here. Kamala Harris is. Don't forget that she actually kept people in prison longer than their stay. Most of them people of color. So she could use them for worker programs. It's not a good human being. But here's the main purpose here. Here's the main point. This is what the left does. They eat their own. They have to. The right and liberal Democrats just don't care anymore about this crap. I think it is a badge of honor to have a leftist call me a racist, sexist, xenophobe, bigoted, homophobe, and a misogynist. I forgot about that one. It usually means I said something they can't argue with. People on the right and liberal Democrats don't care what people call them. That's because we just think they're stupid. But this is, the, this is a major issue for leftists and progressives. They know their base and they know what they need. They know they need to go radical, no matter what the reason, what, what their reason tells them. That's the problem with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. Their f- reason says radicalism of the leftist base is not reasonable. 
the rest of the country won't accept it. But they don't have the courage. In other words, they're cowards. To buck against the bullshit like socialism, anti-fascism, anti-racism, and defunding of any of the institutions that were made to protect society. Putting the leftist radicals, who are actually the minority, in their places. They won't do that. They won't say to the left, back the F off. You guys are wrong here. And that's the other thing. The anti-racism BS has to go. I got news to you. I'm a white guy. I'm not a racist. I couldn't care less. I don't even acknowledge race. It is stupid. It is illogical looking at the history of the United States that we are all a racist people. We're not. We ended racism. Reading a great book by Shelby Steele called The White Guilt, and he brings this up, that in the 1960s, when the United States ended Jim Crow with the uh, Civil Rights Act, that we're still being held. And we're going to talk about this because there's an extreme irony with the Civil Rights Act and the anti-racist view that people like um, people like uh, um, people like uh, Al Sharpton continually bring up. It's we are when the Civil Rights Act happened, it was about creating blacks as individuals. And yet the the white guilt that blacks keep dumping on us makes it so that we need to acknowledge an individual as a collective as they're not in blacks are not individuals. It's the great irony. So blacks are now sitting back and screaming for segregation and uh, more money and all this stuff simply because they're black. In other words, they're no longer individuals. This shit just needs to be stopped and condemned. And nobody in the Democratic Party has the balls to actually do it. And I think this is a serious problem our country is going to have to go through. And all this peace and love and olive branches and shit that people are throwing out there, not going to happen if they keep saying that we need to reparations and all this crap it's got to end i'm not a racist i'm completely not a racist i could care less about your i could care less about, and, and by the way my my family's never owned slaves my family is irish for the most part so i was actually one of the people that was condemned or was Prejudice actually hurt my group of people. But the reality is, I don't think myself as Irish. I think myself as an American. And I think blacks need to do this too. And this is the problem BLM is actually having, is that they're trying to convince blacks that it's not that you're an individual who has capacity, who has freedom, who has individuality. They need to bring those people back into the collective. They need to bring those people back into the um, color of their skin. And then they'll get free shit. 
It's just not a good way to be. It's not going to be embraced by anyone. So I, I, one of these days we're going to have to talk about um, anti-racism. I need to read the books, a couple of books that were written about it. But uh, I, we're going to have to talk about it because this is a huge thing. So, But here's something else, which is good and bad news. It involves the death penalty. Beginning on December 24th, 2020, the Department of Justice will allow the Bureau of Prisons to execute inmates on federal death row by means other than lethal injection. I think that's a great thing, sort of. Methods that can be used include electrocution or lethal gas. But the law states that some states allow the condemned to choose their form of execution. Now, here's an example. Uh, Utah will allow a firing squad. And by the way, I think that would be the best way to go. I think it's the fastest, least painful. Uh, I have seven guys shooting me in the heart. I'm probably going to be dead. But I'm also not a multiple murderer. I've never thought about murdering anyone. So probably that's not a thing. The reasons these options are being allowed is because of the lack of the drugs needed for lethal injection. A lot of pharmaceutical companies, whether it's through social activism or the fact that it goes against the um, it goes against the idea that we're supposed to protect human life, uh, have discontinued those lethal injection drugs. Some states still want to rid the world of the pieces of garbage that gave up the right to live of others. Texas, Georgia, Missouri, Utah. They still think, and by the way, there's only four. Those states think that if you kill someone for selfish reasons, you should probably die. Three people on death row now may get the opportunity to take advantage of this awesome ruling. And this is all before January, before Trump actually leaves office, if he leaves office, because we still don't know what's going on with that. There's Corey Johnson. He was convicted in the U.S. District Court of the Eastern District of Virginia for killing seven people in a 1992 drug trafficking related killing spree. So this guy killed seven people. F them. I, I don't know why killing of seven people is an okay thing. There's Dustin John Higgs, convicted of ca- kidnapping three women. Their names, Tamika Black, Tanji Jackson, and Mission Chin. Under the pretense of offering them a ride home from a gathering... Uh, from that he that had been hosted earlier in the evening. He then drove the women to a secluded area, handed the gun to a friend, and ordered the friend to kill the women. Finally, and a woman. This is something. Hey, we want equal rights. Yeah, Lisa Montgomery. Uh, she's fifty-two, the only woman on federal death row has been scheduled to die on January 12, 2021. Thank God. 
It was in January 21st, 2021. After her original date on December 8th was postponed on account that the two attorneys contracted the cases, contracted COVID-19. Why this is a thing, I don't know. Okay, they got COVID-19 to a Zoom meeting. She was convicted in the U.S. District Court of the Western District of Missouri back in 2007 for the murder of Bobby Joe Stinnett, a 23-year-old pregnant woman. Now, you can let's let's go over how wonderful this person was. Montgomery had traveled to Stinnett's home under the pretense of wanting to adopt a puppy, but after she arrived, she strangled Stinnett and butchered the abdomen with a knife in order to kidnap her unborn child and raise the baby on her own. They all sound like little angels of society, right? They can all be changed, right? Can you think of any three people who deserve more mercy than these guys? That doesn't mean I don't have issues with the death penalty. I do. I don't think it works in the United States. I don't. At least not. So why does it work in other countries like Saudi Arabia and the Indonesian countries? There are three reasons why the death penalty does not work in the United States. There are three reasons why the death penalty does not work in the United States. And this is a theory. That has been around for the last 50 years. I heard this in high school. And I'm 52 years old. So you know, it's been a while. There are three things that make the death penalty work. It needs to be performed often. It needs to be performed quickly. And it needs to be performed in public. Often means that people know if you F up, you're going to be put to death. Quickly, the problem we have with the death penalty today is no one knows who these people are. Because the, de- the death penalty happened so... They, they were convicted to death so long ago that they don't know what their crimes were. And performed in public because people need to see what the consequences actually are. People, and this is a problem I've had with this country when it comes to things like this, is that people really need to know what reality is. I don't like this country hiding violence, the media hiding violence. For example, I think we should show crime scenes. I think we should show shootings. I think we should show what happens when Someone gets convicted and gets thrown into the death penalty. I also don't think we should wait 10 years to kill somebody. And and by the way, I don't like the term kill somebody. I like the term eliminate eliminate the civilization of a pest. Listen, if one commits a first degree murder, intentional murder, that per- person deserve, deserves death for several reasons. They have forfeited their humanity. 
there's a reason murder does not have a statute of limitations. It's because once you kill, you will kill again. Now, there are certain, this is first degree murder. We're not talking this has anything to do with, let's say, second degree murder. I'm driving a car, I'm drunk, I run over somebody. You should be punished. But the thing is, yeah, you didn't mean to do it, and you're probably going to suffer. We're talking about somebody who wants his wife dead so he can get the insurance money. They have forfeited their right to live in a civilized society. You are not a civilized human being. You can never be trusted again. You have taken a life of someone else who was able to live in a civilized society. You don't belong here. This brings us to the other thing, which is um, first degree murder or murder. Why murder doesn't have a statute of limitations is they'll do it again. There is bloodlust. There's a reason that a dog kills somebody or bites somebody. That dog is shot. It's because that dog now has a bloodlust and that dog will do it again. The other thing, they do not live, deserve to live these criminals, these murderers do not deserve to live on the backs of productive members of society as a life sentence does allow. It costs $100,000 a year to keep somebody kept in prison. And then who pays for that? Not the government. Government doesn't pay for anything. It's always the taxpayer that pays. This person doesn't allow doesn't deserve to be kept alive. The other thing with any punishment, that includes prison, that includes jail, that includes fines, that includes the death penalty, is that they need to be punished. And punishment should be an example of all. And that example is justice that the family and all those who have died deserves to have justice. A lot of people sit back and think that you go to prison so that you can be reformed. That's not what prison's for. And we need to get through that. Prison is also for punishment. You committed a crime against another human being. You deserve punishment. I know there are degrees of killing, and they're not all equal. I'm talking about people who intentionally kill with no guilt. Listen to this man here. And I say man with air quotes because he's not a man. Luis Enriquez Bracamontes, who was convicted of intentionally killing two sheriff's deputies in Northern California. I tell you what, listen to what he's got to say. And you tell me, does he deserve mercy? Be silent. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, please step out of the hallway. I don't fucking regret that shit. The only thing that I fucking regret is the fucking skill too. I wish I fucking killed more of those motherfuckers. Fuck it. Eric, we have the camera turned off, I think, the I will break up soon and I will kill more. 
whoever fucking get in front of me. Just like that. There's no need for fucking trial, I'm gonna fucking go to the fucking trial. <coughs> fucking, I'm fucking guilty and everybody is holy shit fucking. The jurors have left the courtroom. Mr. Bracamontes, this is your trial. I want you to be present, but you will not disrupt this trial. You will not speak out. If you do, you will be removed from the courtroom. Do you understand that? I do. Bring the jury back, please. Your Honor, before you do that, may I be heard on one issue? Go ahead. <clears throat> Thank you. We believe these outbursts and the inappropriate laughter are part of the mental illness that we talked about earlier. And at this point, we would ask the court to reconsider its ruling on the 1368 motion we filed, or in the alternative, let us declare a doubt, another doubt, under Penal Code Section 1368. Your motion is denied. We'll address this at a later time. Thank you, Your Honor. By the way, um, Bracamontes was an illegal alien is an illegal alien. He's in prison right now. I wonder if that's going to come up in a Biden campaign commercial when he talks about making all illegal immigrants citizens. Now, that's not saying that all illegal Im immigrants are like this guy. Uh, there, but there are a lot of them. Half the time, they come up here to avoid arrest in Mexico, uh, El Salvador, and other countries like that. Notice that the judge sent the jury out of the room. Why? Notice the defense attorney is trying to get a mental health hearing. Why? Is he not getting found not guilty by mental defect ever going to make him a safe to be released into society? Probably not. As a matter of fact, listening to him, I would love the jury to have listened to this guy. This guy is obviously done. Does this narcissistic sociopath who is illegally in this country and brazenly killed two of our U.S. citizens who are hired to protect us deserve to be supported by the American taxpayers for the rest of his life? How about, how about this? For the, re for the next 10 years, because the death penalty, which he did get convicted of, he did get sentenced to, is what he's going to get an option for. And he's going to get attorneys, and they have to do this. I have no problem with attorneys defending this guy. But does he deserve 10 years of, let's look at what happened, and maybe he finds God in prison, or whatever bullshit he comes up with? deserves mercy? What about the two police officers who were two sheriff's deputies who were paid whose career is based on protecting us who were killed by this freaking animal? Does he deserve mercy? I think not. And I don't talk a lot about the death penalty and I don't talk about it for a reason. I, I just... It's, it's something that I've always believed we never did right. And I don't believe that if Bracamontes is actually put to death, it's going to fix anything. 
because he'll be put to death in about 2028 at earliest. No one's even going to know who this piece of crap is. Next story. Um, <laughs> Trump is really just like a professional troll. According to the Daily Wire, in response to a report claiming President Trump is planning to announce a 2024 run for the White House on January 20th, 2021, which just happens to be Inauguration Day for, theoretically, Joe Biden. A lawyer representing the Trump campaign and the president said, uh, the claims are more fake news designed to feed the narrative that he's given up the fight for the election integrity. Uh, so the Daily Beast, a far left-wing rag, reported, quote, according to three people familiar with uh, the conversations, the president, by the way, notice they don't name the three people because it's probably bullshit. According to uh, three people familiar with the conversations, the president, who refuses to acknowledge that he lost the 2020 election, and he hasn't lost the 2020 election yet, as he clearly did, it's not clear, has not just talked to close advisors and confidants about the potential 2024 run to reclaim the White House, but about the specifics of his campaign launch. The conversations have explored, among other things, how Trump could find the best time his announcements so as to keep the Republican Party behind him for the next four years. Of course, now it's always about it's always about Trump being conniving, right? That's what that word says. Two of these knowledgeable sources, who they don't name, said the president has, in the past two weeks, even floated the idea of doing a 2024-related event during Biden's inauguration week, possibly on Inauguration Day, if his illegal effort to steal the 2020 election ultimately fails. Does anyone sit back and, and sit back and say, are these people just insane? Trump is not going to do that. And if Trump did mention it, it's trolling. He's trolling the left. Good for him. Keep trolling. Jenna Ellis, Trump 2020 senior advisor uh, and attorney to the president, said this is probably not true. Fake news, quote, Fake news media continues to frame the fake news narrative that President Trump has given up the fight for the election integrity. This is completely false. I speak with the president daily, and he is focused on saving our great republic, not four years from now. In other words, Trump is not even thinking about doing this. He's worried about becoming the president in 2020. Um... The Daily Beast wrote, Two sources with direct knowledge of the matter, claiming that the president has privately bragged that he still will still remain in the spotlight, even if the Biden even if Biden is in the Oval Office, in part because his news media will keep regularly covering him since, as Trump has assessed, he gets the news outlet ratings, and those same outlet outlets find Biden boring. So what does this say? 
Trump is under the media skin. The, the media knows the next four years are going to be boring as hell. And so they're trying to create controversy. The love for Biden is not going to quench their bloodlust. And showing love for the retard Biden, and I know I should say special, but he's a retard. He broke his foot because he tripped over his freaking dog. This guy has no reason to be in the White House. He is so feeble. He, Biden's going to be boring for the media. And he's going to get boring. He's going to get boring fast. The legacy media's ratings are going to suck egg, eggs with all the love they're going to show for Biden. Pe people aren't listening to him now. Fox News has dropped 70% in their ratings because of what they did to, to Trump. The media needs Trump. Trump also needs the hatred of the media. Be prepared to be hearing from Trump a lot in the next four years. Just like we're hearing a lot from Barack Obama right now. That his, his legacy might be upheld by Joe Biden. Do you, think, do you think Barack Obama loves Joe Biden? You're an idiot if you think that. Barack Obama can't stand Joe Biden. He doesn't care about Joe Biden. Joe Biden had nothing to do with his, his presidency. But he needs Joe Biden to resurrect his legacy. Because Barack Obama is a narcissistic sociopath. That's what he is. Why do you think he's talking? And Donald Trump will be there with his shit-eating grin and that spiffy little dance he does during his rallies. And don't think that Donald Trump is still not going to be the greatest media thing in the next four years. Joe Biden will be completely ignored in the next four years. It will be about Donald Trump. He'll continue tweeting. He will continue talking publicly. He'll continue saying, well, I lost this election because the Democrats cheated. And by the way, he's right. So it's going to be really interesting to see what actually happens in the next four years. I'm so excited about it. Well, here's some good news. Uh, last story. Um, we have a new American hero. A hero. The SEC named soccer goalkeeper and fill-in Vanderbilt kicker, Sarah Fuller, the special teams player of the week. An honor she's sharing with Cadrius... Tony from the University of Florida. <coughs> now we're going to talk about Cadrius Tony because Cadarius uh, Tony, excuse me, let me read. Um, okay, this is nothing but social justice, political correctness, woke culture, and intersectionality all brought together to make this a story. Upon announcement that she would win the honor, the SEC released a statement. Now, I'm not going to tell you what she won it for. We're going to see this. We'll, we'll talk about this in a second. Fuller made history Saturday, becoming the first woman ever to officially take the field during a football game in a major conference football game. 
it wasn't that major a conference. She took the opening kickoff of the second half against the tig- against the Tigers as her perfectly executed <laughs> I sometimes need to read this a couple times. Perfectly executed kick sailed 30 yards which was actually about 20, and was downed at the Missouri 35-yard line. She joined the likes of Mexico, New Mexico's Katie Hinedra, I don't know what the fuck, what that is, but and Kent State's April Goss as the only females to appear in a football bowl subdivision contest. Well, let's, before we talk about her amazing feat. Let's let's add, listen to Vanderbilt's coach head coach is Derek Mason, who by the way was fired after the game. <laughs> so this is great. Quote, you can look at the roster and see who wasn't here today and have a pretty good idea what transpired. What I can tell you is we did look at our roster. We looked at our guys our guys that were available who had kicked before. Nobody who had as much experience at practice or the natural ability of Sarah, whether it was kicking off or whether it was field goals, she happened to be our best option today. Okay. I'm going to say something here. Uh, Cover your kids' ears. Bullshit. So let's talk about what she actually did. Um, and I'm sure you saw this. This was a big thing. ESPN. Everyone was making a big stink about this bullshit. I'm not an awesome ESPN commentator. I'm not. But I know what I saw. And I think what I saw is pretty much right on track. Um, she could not kick off from a tee because she's never kicked off of a tee before. So she had to have someone actually hold the football. The ball got about... 20 yards, hit the ground, and rolled another 10 yards. Now, mind you, this was the opening kickoff of the second half where Vanderbilt was already down by 21 points. Um, The ball was kicked towards the sideline and actually would have ended up out of bounds if it wasn't taken by the opposing uh, wasn't taken by the opposing player, which means it went out of bounds. It would have been a penalty. She then ran off the field before the play was over, not covering like a real kicker is supposed to be doing. In other words, kickers actually go in to tackle people after they kick the ball. The coach said it was a perfect squig squib kick. And what a squib kick means is it's not something they, it's a kick that starts the clock and it bounces. Okay. So I'm going to say this the third time in the story. Bullshit. Why in the hell would she kick a squib kick and give the opponent great field possession in the first, in the kickoff of the second half when her team is down by 21 points? It would seem to me the best thing would be to actually kick it to the end zone so the team starts at the 20 or 25. I'm not sure what it is in college. Also, squib kicks are typically sent through the middle of the field. They're not sent 
towards the sideline because squib kicks have a tendency of going out of bounds if they're kicked towards the sideline. Here's what I think. She missed the kick. Probably because she is a soccer star. Probably because she's used to kicking a round soccer ball and not a football. Do you know what else brings me to that thing? She couldn't kick off a tee. Also, why is she running off the field before the play is done? Could it be she's afraid that some 270-pound freaking special teams guy is going to deck her fucking ass right off the bat? I shouldn't have said fucking, but I did, so get over it. But none of this matters. It's all about the narrative and the supposed glass ceiling in college football. I guess it only took a 20-yard kick to break the glass ceiling? This was Sarah Fuller's response after the game, and when the ESPN reporter called her immortal and historic in her previous in her previous um, commentary, it's really kind of weird because Vanderbilt lost the game forty-one to nothing. She never got the shot to actually kick a field goal. She never kicked again. She kicked the kickoff in the beginning of the second half and never entered the field again. And as a matter of fact, she did not kick anything in the first half. So let's listen to this historic thingy from ESPN and this broad who kicked a 15-yard kick. History today, the first female to ever play in a Power 5 football game. What emotions are you feeling now that you've reached such a milestone? Honestly, it's just so exciting. And the fact that I can represent, like, the little girls out there who wanted to do this or, you know, thought about playing football or any sport, really. And it encourages them to be able to step out and do something big like this. So it's awesome. Throughout this week, as the story has gained prominence and taken to the headlines. I know you felt a sense of responsibility to use this platform for something bigger than yourself. What message do you hope was conveyed by your involvement today? I mean, I just want to tell like all the girls out there that you can do anything you set your mind to. Like you really can. And if you have that mentality all the way through, like you can do big things. I mean, seriously, you would have thought this gal played middle linebacker or a full black at the five yard line and scored a touchdown. Are you freaking kidding me? I what what exactly did anyone learn from this thing that yeah, um here's a new slash. I can kick a 35-yard kickoff. I've done it. It's not that big of a deal. It's actually kind of easy, but I'm also a lot stronger than she is. It got worse. She actually had had a speech at halftime for her quote, uh, co-patriots on the team. The ball's on this chick. What effing football team allows the kicker, who has never played a single down, make a speech at halftime? How about none? From peewee to the NFL, the kicker is supposed to say and do nothing besides know where his or her effing T is. So 
he or she could do a kickoff on time. Then she had the balls to bitch about her teammates. I'm not kidding. One kickoff. A shitty kickoff. She was ticked at them because they were not cheerleading on the sidelines during a game they're losing 21 to nothing after a season they were 0-7. Listen to this. This is what she said. I'm not don't listen to this. I'm gonna read it. If I'm going to be honest, I was a little pissed off at how quiet everyone was on the sideline. We had made a first down and I was going to I was the only one cheering and was like, what the heck? What's going on? And I tried to get pumped up and I was like, you guys need to start cheering. My main thing was during the SEC, SEC tournament, my entire team was cheering the entire time. Like, wow. It didn't matter if we were in the locker room or if they were on the sidelines. I think that's what won it for us. Everybody was cheering. This is, she's talking about her soccer team. Well, I mean, you were cheering because you were you won a game. This team is 0-8 and lost this game 41 to nothing. Their coach was fired. I just went in there. Uh, I'm continuing her quote. I just went in there and said and said I said exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I, anyone who uses like in a sentence, I, I really don't have a lot of respect on what you're thinking about. I was like, we need to be cheering each other on. This is how you win games. This is how you get better, by calling each other out for stuff. And I'm like, and I made that up, I'm like going to call you guys out. The arrogance of this bitch is incredible and disgusting. I'm going to repeat this. The team was 0-7, down 21 nothing, went 0-8 because they lost 41 to nothing. Um, the coach got fired after the game. This is this is the whole thing. This is what this is about. It was a publicity stunt based on woke culture. No one would have known anything about this game if it weren't for her kicking a ball 25 yards. And here's the thing. She wasn't the first woman in a college game. She was the first woman in a big five game or whatever they called it. This does not further promote equality. In fact, it has the opposite effect. The whole thing showed the differences between men and women. Football was a sport designed for men by men. This is not a sexist thing. That's just the way it is. Football is based on a meritocracy. Only the best people play. Women do not have the capacity to lay to play football. And that's okay. I don't either. I am not a guy who's going to go out there and kick the ball. Even though if I did, I'd probably kick it farther than she did. Women do have a lot of women do a lot of things that are better than men. Uh, but here's the thing, football isn't one of them. By the way, basketball isn't one of them. That's why you don't have any professional basketball leagues. Well, you've got the WNBA, but no one watches it. No one watches 
the uh, basketball in college. Soccer. No one watches soccer. <laughs> but there are sports that women are very good at. Simone Biles is the first one that comes to my head. The gymnast. She can do a lot of things men can't do. There are events in women's gymnastics that are not in men's competition. Like the balance beam. Because men can't do that. We need to make women totally equal to men is stupid and unnecessary. Women are not completely equal to men, and that's okay. Men are not completely equal to women. I don't see why that's a, not a thing. No history was made here, and I find it insulting that the media sits back and makes this into something that it, it really isn't. You may disagree with me. I may be a sexist. <clears throat> this probably won't be on YouTube tomorrow because they're going to edit it. I don't know. But anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can follow me on Par Parlor if you decide to grow up and join a real social media site at Dumbasses Talking Politics. You can download or listen to this podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, and YouTube. You can visit my website at com, where you can look at all of my video, audio, and uh, video, audio, graphics, and uh, links to these stories. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Mm -hmm.